Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. My coping mechanisms aren't working. What fresh hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. Moms are crazy because kids make them that way. (laughs) With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. One shouldn't really be in a corn maze without some children with you. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. I felt like a freak. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about what becoming a mom has changed about us. Yes. This is a topic that we've been kind of dancing around a little bit. And then Jordan came to our Facebook group and wrote this post. Episode idea. How being a mother changes your personality, values, general anxiety level, etc. All the things. Three exclamation points. It does. It does. It changes all the things. It's science. Mm -hmm. Amy's got some science. We have some anecdotes. But I think if I were to point to all of the things, you know, people say, my aunt Terry always says, what surprised you about motherhood? What didn't you know? This is the thing I didn't really expect is like, I think I've talked about before on the podcast, bringing home my first baby and my husband fell asleep and I was sitting up and he was having different health problems the first night we had to bring him back to the hospital and just being like this feeling of these metal doors to my old life just clanging shut and being in this like wasteland of like the other side and feeling so overwhelmed and terrified and frankly regretful that what have I done? What have I done? I used to be happy and now I have a baby. And part of that was some postpartum hormonal stuff. But there is something pretty deep about how incredibly your life changes after having a child. I felt like I changed more than my life. I mean, clearly my life was different, right? And I felt myself sailing away far, far away from my friends who didn't have kids yet. Like they would come see the new baby once and then it was like, okay, we're going to go back to our old lives and you know, I can't, everything's changed. We have stuff to do. Right. But what I sort of felt more keenly was sort of the difference in me. And then when I thought about it more, I'm like, have I changed or is it just that my coping mechanisms aren't working in this new way? The things that brought me to this point will take me no farther now that I've become a parent. I think both are true. Like, give me an example of that. 
Well, I wrote a book on this. It's called When Did I Get Like This? It's literally what the book is about. So, so you know, you know, it's a parenting book and it's a series of essays about like, I am not going to overthink breastfeeding. I am not going to overthink where my kid's going to go to preschool. Like each chapter is like this one. I'm not going to go to cuckoo town on this one. And then I totally do each time over and over in the book. And, you know, I sort of argue that it's my assignment, but I also argue that like that worked for me. Like that was the kind of kid I was. I was, you know, a total Girl Scout do be, you can do it, just work hard enough and you will succeed. And, you know, parenting's not like that. And so I think I was trying to apply my old sort of Tracy Flick type A traits to something that does not <laughs> doesn't work that way. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think it's exactly right. I think for me, I was 37 years old when I had my first child and I had had a very fun life. And I think that I had had a life with a lot of freedom and a lot of independence and kind of just doing whatever I wanted. And I felt this overwhelming sense with a new baby that like, I remember he was born in late September and we were sitting and watching the World Series a couple days later. And I remember just looking at the crowd at the World Series and thinking like, how are these people at a baseball game? I guess they never had a child. Like I had this feeling of like, I'm never going to do anything again. I would look out the window and people were like smiling and walking down the street. And I would just feel like, why am I in baby prison? I felt I could not conceive of myself with a baby in the world. It seemed absurd to me. Should we talk about some of the ways that your brain actually changes yes. one's brain? Because I think this is fascinating. So so to cut to the chase, yes, everything changes once you have kids and there are actual changes to the brain. So I got most of this stuff from Adrian LaFrance wrote an article for The Atlantic called What Happens to a Woman's Brain When She Becomes a Mother? And she you know, goes through a bunch of, of neurology. So basically pregnancy, she says, tinkers with the very structure of our brains, that gray matter becomes more concentrated. Sounds important, whatever that means. Sounds Um, important. That regions that control empathy and anxiety and social interaction light up. Mm -hmm. Like sort of it takes a village thing. I guess we lean into that stuff more. It's funny because I felt that new parenthood was very isolating. But maybe that's it. Maybe like my my anxiety uh, region fired a little too much. Yeah. Well, the, the so your amygdala. There's more activity in your amygdala, which is a little bit of your lizard brain, your lower level brain activity. It makes you hypersensitive to your baby's needs, and so the amygdala lights up. And then there's also more hormones, and we all know that, right? Like your hormones are racing, and because your amygdala is already more turned up for what it takes in more of the hormones, Mm. which creates this sort of positive feedback loop. It can be positive. It can, you know, it it keeps us alive, right? It's a biological imperative. It makes us really want to take care of our babies instead of abandoning them on a hillside. It makes us really want to take care of our own babies. Yes. There was a study that showed, I mean, this is obvious, but they were able to prove it, that a mother's brain activity, when she looks at a picture of her smiling baby, is like 10x what it is when she looks at a picture of a smiling baby, that we react much more to our own baby. But all this stuff can have, can kind of go too far, right? That there's more activity, there's more amygdala, then it can get imbalanced. And that leads to postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, which are real and terrible. But I think there's a continuum. Yes. Right. And your anxiety, I've heard you talk about it, your anxiety sort of turned up after becoming a mom in sort of new ways. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I guess I was anxious beforehand, but I was never diagnosed with postpartum anxiety, but I had ferocious 
sleep problems. I don't know. It, motherhood messed with me in the beginning. And I will say it's gotten so much better. I remember saying to my mom at some point, like, at what point do you stop 24 hours a day worrying about how the baby's going to hurt itself. And my mom, who was kind of joking, was like, oh, that never happens. Like, basically, this is the new sensation of your life that like your most precious thing walks around outside of your body. And I started bawling and she was like, "Okay, uh, let me back up. Like, actually, it gets much better, but it has gotten much better. But I would say my general anxiety set point in my entire life ramped up. What did I have to be anxious about before? Like getting to the bar on time to hang with my friends, like getting a script turned in, you know? Well, like, would you ever make anything of yourself, right? Like, are you going to find the right person? Are you going to be? I feel like I just had never even considered the like, we were, I went scuba diving once in my entire life and we were by the Marianas Trench, which is like the deepest part of the ocean. And it's off of, um, Bahamas and you literally see this edge and like you see the bottom and there's like little coral and fish and then there's a line and beyond that is like this darkness like it's a shelf on the ocean floor that goes down like 300 miles or something crazy I have no idea I'm sure that totally wrong but (laughs) a hundred bajillion miles (laughs) it was very I didn't I just swam away from it I was like I literally can't even look at that thing it's so mentally upsetting to me like this trench that drops off and that's I felt that my experience of having a baby was that for me, like staring at the Marianas Trench. Like, I thought that life was on a scale of one to 10. And then I got handed this baby and I was like, oh, the scale is one to a billion. You know, it, it's felt so different for me. There's a lot of uptick too, not just in sort of actual anxiety, but in sort of compulsive behaviors. Oh, yes, Amy, there is. And mothers such as, I have to check the baby all the time, you know, hand washing, you know, like the kind of mom we all were this mom to some extent, like putting the sign on the infant seat, like don't touch the baby, don't be around the baby, all that stuff that we feel that hypervigilant. And we feel like it's only us keeping the kid from falling into the Marianas Trench or whatever you were saying, like only we can do it. Yes. Or the metaphorical Marianas Trench is like right there. And it's interesting because I've always had some OCD behaviors in my life that were very manageable, but I was always like, oh yeah, I do this weird thing before I go on stage where I have to like tap my foot four times, whatever. And they became incredibly problematic after I had my kids, mm-hmm. like touching things constantly. And it became, I mean, I had to actually see someone and deal with it because it became paralyzing to me. And similarly, I always had sleep problems. And after having kids, I developed a kind of insomnia that was really messing with my life. I mean, I don't know. Having kids was hard for me, guys. And it's all a mix. There's actually, so you have more sleep problems after becoming a mom. Were you more like attentive to the baby's cry than your husband? I mean, of course. Yes. And I just, I've always had problems with once I'm asleep now that I'm getting older I'm actually finally losing this but I used to be like you could put an air horn next to my head at seven o'clock in the morning and I could fall back asleep but at night falling asleep was always a huge problem for me from the time I was a little kid and it got to the point where I Mm -hmm. lost my ability to sleep I mean I wasn't sleeping I was just getting into bed at night ragged tired but I would be like if I fall asleep the baby's gonna cry and I would just yeah like my ear was open and one thing I did do for that which helped is that there were nights we had a tiny like 900 square foot house so there was no 
other bedroom or anything to go to, but I would trade sides of the bed. So I was the farther away from the nursery with my husband. And I would say, you're listening for the baby tonight. And then I would put earplugs in and somehow it turned off that part of my brain that was listening for the baby all the time. But I really struggled with all this stuff. It was so tough. Yeah. I am a, you know, a light sleeper and I became like princess in the pea light sleeper. This was fascinating. I never knew this until I researched this episode. So we all know that the mother is suspiciously more able to hear the baby crying in the middle of the night than the father, the female parent, than the male parent. And there's a reason for that. It's the oxytocin that's in our system. One of the things it's making us do as a biological imperative is hear the hungry baby crying and want to feed it in a way that our husband doesn't because he can't feed the baby with his breasts. But this study proved that there is more oxytocin in a breastfeeding mother during the night than in a non-breastfeeding mother, than in a formula-feeding mother, so that the breastfeeding mother is even more likely to be hypervigilant to the baby crying in the middle of the night because it's, you know, her breasts that are feeding. Like, your body knows if it's the breast feeding the baby or the person feeding the baby. Does that make sense? It does. It's fascinating. And it's not surprising, but it is fascinating. Oh, it messed with me. Oh, everything messed with me so bad. And I do want to emphasize for people who are listening with a newborn who are in this space, this has gotten solved for me. (laughs) My anxiety is probably a little bit worse than it was before kids because I have three kids constantly out in the world. But my kids are now 12, 11. Oh, I just wrong. I just had a birthday. 13, 11 and nine now. I have a teenager now. Wild. Wow. But... During the day, I don't spend a tremendous amount of time. Like, I could go to the World Series now and sit there and have a hot dog. Like, I actually understand that there is a world that is not, like... Checking the video monitor, right? You're not watching them do their homework while you're at the World Series. I had a rough birth, so I had a lot of injuries post-birth. And then I got, what's the horrible gentian violet? It's it's like the thrush. Oh, Oh, my God. I mean, I really had a hard time. Gentian violet is what you have to put on your nipples if you have thrush, which is like a breastfeeding infection. Oh my gosh, it really was bad. The mother and the baby pass back and forth, as I recall. I'm barely remembering it, and I lived it too. The baby has the infection in its mouth, and the mom has it on her breast, and you'll just keep feeding it back and forth unless you put gentian violet, which you can only get at one store, and it costs $36, as I recall. Like a whole, it was a thing and a thing. I was just, my sister-in-law has a new baby, and I was just looking at the baby and it's a girl as my third was and I was saying to my husband I just why don't I have any memories of having a girl baby like I know I had one at least a year I had a girl baby (laughs) she's here (laughs) but it's truly like I was out of my mind at the time I had a three-year-old and a two-year-old and I just I truly don't even remember the days and I know they weren't joyful days I've said before I Mm -hmm. went back to visit the house recently where I had the babies thinking I would be like oh the house and I went back and stood in front of that little 900 square foot house where I had three kids under four, three kids under five. And the feeling that washed over me was dread and despair. And it was really interesting to me. Like, oh, I really didn't have a great time having little babies all together. And now that they're older, I'm liking my life a lot more. It definitely gets easier. And the things that I learned about myself and my, you know, anxiety and my perfectionism, once I dealt with them, it definitely made things easier, but it still changes you. Like there's still things, my oldest is almost 19 years old and I'm still a different person than I was before I became a mom. Absolutely. It changes. I want to put in people's path because I'm talking about like my very difficult experience of having very young babies that I did not stay in that place, but it absolutely changes you. And we're going to talk about some of those changes when we come back. 
Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different and fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, we went to our Facebook group, which is at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash what fresh hellcast. Or you can always just search what fresh hell podcast group in your search bar and it'll take you right there. And we Jordan actually put up this thread asking about how it changes you. And we got some really interesting feedback. I was expecting like it makes you anxious. I was expecting a lot of things, but there were a couple ones I was like, huh, I would have never thought of that. Okay. But let's start with Cena, who says it all. It changes the blood running through your veins. 100% changes your being. She says she loves the idea for a podcast episode. And I think <laughs> we get it, right? It definitely, it is an extraordinary change. Yeah, it is. I mean, you're always thinking about these other people, even when they turn into big little people, even when they're around, even when you have, I'm at the experience now where one of my children doesn't live at home anymore, but there's still this like an extremely long thread, but there's a thread that connects me to that child, at least in my head. I'm not sure my child feels the same way, but I'm like letting the kite out. I think probably what's interesting is that your child doesn't feel the same way and that's appropriate. That's right. We just lost our family matriarch. My Aunt Eileen passed away and just was at her wake and funeral and talking about all my life. I always heard, you know, oh, Aunt Eileen, she had been pregnant with her sixth child and then her husband died very unexpectedly in his 40s, died of a heart attack. And I heard that story my whole life. Like, oh, yeah, Aunt Eileen, you know, her husband died when she had these many children. And then I remember in those days of sitting up late nights and thinking about all of a sudden, like, 
Aunt Eileen, this happened to her. I've heard this story. Like, why don't we have a shrine to Aunt Eileen in our yard? You know, like, how did we just talk about this as like, oh, this is something else that happened. And I think that being inside the experience of being a mother and that connection to your children and the difficulty of doing it is something that you are always outside and that is kind of appropriate, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how becoming a mother sort of changes your perspective about, you know, your aunt or your own mom mom or your grandmother, right? Like these things become newly interesting to you. I became, you know, very interested in my own grandmother. She raised, you know, single mom, like Aunt Eileen, and uh, had to raise a kid on her own. And like in a time when you couldn't really get a very high paying job if you were a woman, right? There was a limit to what you could do. And yeah, that became so much more interesting to me once I could imagine that world instead of moving merrily along as a young person who doesn't understand the amount of maternal investment. That's right. Isn't it empathy versus sympathy? Like you're sympathetic to it, but then when you're in it too, you're empathetic to it. And that's a very different experience. This brings us to Jill, who says, this is a quote from someone else, with the pitter patter of little feet, a thousand words you will eat. And I think the idea of like, I know how to be a parent is very different than actually being a parent, right? It's another thing. That's so funny, yeah. What kind of mom lets their kid blah, blah, blah? I was in a newborn, you know, parent support group, like one of these things that's set up by the hospital. Like you guys all had your baby the same week and, you know, you should connect and you can come to the hospital then you're supposed to sort of continue it on your own. We did at least for a few months. Anyway, there was a mom in my group, parent of first baby, just like me, and she was a pediatrician sitting in this group while all of us had 10 day old babies with us saying, oh, my God, I already cannot believe the advice I gave parents. Like she was like, just let him cry. Who cares? Like she was now a completely different pediatrician due to the parenting experience and the change of perspective it had given her. Yeah. And it's a gift, but it's a tough gift. It's a gift that doesn't come for free, you know? Yes. Amy Chrissy says, I am going to steal the title of Amy's book. When did Mm. I get like this? I asked myself that question almost daily. Motherhood has changed so much for me. I could have never anticipated the crushing anxiety, the weightiness of each decision, the deep down daily feelings of failing at it all. It's also changed my perspective in a way that would have been impossible without being a mom, as we were just saying. I love this. Before becoming a parent, I gave my own mother such a hard time about so many things. Now I see her in a whole new light and she gets a pass on all of it. Moms are crazy because kids make them that way. My mom was so like smooth sailing, like never lost her patience or like I can count on one hand and I remember them because we drove her to her breaking point. But I never gave her a hard time about stuff, but I definitely thought because she made it look easy that it was therefore easy. Your mom's a special case. I've met your mom and we've had your mom on the podcast you know, and she really is made of special stuff. Yeah, she made the invisible work invisible and she's always in, you know, in a good mood and it's always a good day and like she's, she's always in a good mood. She's gifted that way and it made for a very happy childhood. But yeah, so for me it was more like, ah, I gave her a hard time and I shouldn't have. It's more like, wow, I should have given her more credit instead of just being like, as usual, everything's perfect because that's how it always is. It's not like it's hard. <laughs> we had Amy's mom and my aunt Terry on the podcast and we'll try to link to that episode. Yeah, yeah, we should. And 
Amy's mom was like, I don't know. I just loved being a mom and I just enjoyed every minute. And my Aunt Terry, who was standing, my mom passed away a few years ago, so she was standing it for my mom. She, she yells, your mom had six kids. Terry had five. And she was like, yeah, I mean, I thought about throwing them out the window, but I was like, we only live on the second floor and that probably would just mean a night <laughs> in the ER for us. <laughs> you know, moms come in from all different angles and yes. they come from all different places. And I do think that... It's also a job, like a lot of jobs, where when you stand on the outside, it's like men watching football. You really should have jumped two more feet and caught that catch from 50 yards away. It's very easy to sit on your couch and be like, hey, dude, on TV, you stink at this. There were a lot of memes around the Olympics, like, what the heck is wrong? You can't land a triple sow cow on the balance beam. Right. Or why don't you walk Aaron Judge? That kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. I know what I would do sitting here with my beer and pretzels. Yeah. But there's a lot of that with Motley, like, oh, you know, either our own mothers or just watching other people parent. And I'm amazed that anybody, I mean, my husband has been traveling a tremendous amount lately and I'm doing a lot of stuff on my own. And I have to say, there are days where my kids go with bonkers hair because like, I can't remember the shower at night and the form and the this. I bow down to any mom who is getting their kid vaguely dressed with a form filled out and a mask and all the different things you need right now. And in the front door of school, you have my enduring respect. Yeah, you'll get a gold star here every day. Yeah. Come here for backpats, as Margaret likes to say. Backpats. <laughs> Although I have a tremendously hard time actually saying the phrase backpats. She would like to say it, right? I'm always like, pat, bat, pat, bats? I don't know. Backpats available. I think that brings us, and I want to read these because I think they're really important to this. Cassie says, being a mother has changed me in ways I could never imagine. From the time my son was about four months old to now, he's almost one and a half. I have been on a childhood trauma healing journey. Having my own child brought up flashbacks to moments in my own childhood that triggered memories. I know at the end of this road, I will have grown better, but right now I'm feeling like I've taken the wrong exit. Mm. And Heather also says she has new and different anxieties. I have found respect for never say never. I'm seeing flaws in my own childhood very clearly and trying to avoid them. This is an experience that I have seen in a lot of friends of mine where having children of their own has made them really re-examine some really tough things from their own childhood. Things that they thought they had recovered from. Mm-hmm. Things they either repressed or... Yep. Uh-huh. You know, friends who had parents who maybe left or were absent from their childhoods. And they've always sort of processed that as like, oh, well, you know, they wanted something else. And then suddenly they have a child of their own. And the reality of what it is like to leave a beloved child it causes a whole second reckoning with some things that happen in their Mm -hmm. own childhood or people who were hurt as children look at their own children and think, what kind of person would hurt a child, you know, and it brings up even just not abuse. I can think of a family member example, man who was in a car accident when he was four and it was, you know, a family story. I mean, you know, had to go to the hospital his and lived. It was fine. Injuries were not serious, but, and then years later, has a son and then when that son is in his fourth year there's all of a sudden this huge reckoning for that grown-up because of this thing that had happened to them when they were that age and now you have a child of that age like that whole year was very impactful for this person all over again and just this sort of I think it's this prism you're seeing like oh that's me I was like that when that thing happened and you're reliving it 
Yeah, it's the circuitry and wires and complications around that go so deep. I want to point people to, we have a fresh take with Christine Coe and another fresh take with Janice Johnson-Diaz. And both of them talk about childhood trauma and revisiting that from a parent's perspective. And they're really, really interesting episodes. And I think it's something that people don't talk a lot about. It's not a topic that I hear often like, oh, being a mom has really made me this and made me that. But this idea of like, being a mom has been a wormhole back to my own childhood in ways that have been really difficult. I think that's something we could talk more about. Tiffany says, it's been interesting to see how motherhood has brought to light some of my flaws or things I need to work on, but also made me learn to love parts of myself that I struggled to before. I am so much less judgmental. Becoming a mom is so humbling. I thought this was a beautiful perspective. Gosh, I don't really identify, Tiffany, and I wish I did. Learn to love parts of myself and become less judgmental. It sounds like a thing to move towards. I feel like I do relate to this that like I think that I had this whole reckoning with myself and I've had this in other aspects of my life that I have a strong self-identity as like fun and carefree. I think for me being handed this baby was like, that's the death of the fun person. Now I become the mom person who's not fun and... Right, or the best, the factotum of the fun having, right? Like you're holding the bag for the fun. (laughs) Yeah, I'm holding the bag for the fun. And I have been very happily surprised and Tiffany made my day by kind of reminding me of this, that some of those skills have really translated well into being a parent, you know, that like I am kind of the person who's like, Let's all get dressed in silly outfits for Star Wars Day and march through town or let's I mean, even much smaller examples that like I have found that my ability to be a kind of bringer of fun in this way, it's very well suited to motherhood. And I have loved like I love going to a pumpkin patch. I'm like, this is one of the best days of my year. And I wouldn't be able to do this without the excuse of having my kids with me. One shouldn't really be in a corn maze without some children with you. No, one should not just be running around a corn maze as a middle-aged lady. But here I'm completely allowed to be there. And I identify with this to some degree of like, oh, I'm not good at being organized. And I am always the mom who gets the seventh call. That's like, remember that form? I am that mom. And sometimes I feel kind of ashamed of that. Like, I'm such a loser. I can't get the forms right. But it's also helped me remember that I also bring a lot of joy to our family by being the person who's like, hey, here's a silly idea. Let's go for it. You know, let's jump in an RV. Let's do these things. And I try to remember to hold both of those things. I guess for me, this sort of makes me think of, you know, I'm a very driven person and I was very focused on myself and my career before becoming a parent. And then as soon as the kid was born, I was focused on the kid. And in a way, that's great because it immediately meant like when I was still acting, like, who cares if I didn't get the call back? Who cares if I didn't get the job or the, you know, the Hollywood meeting that didn't lead anywhere? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Because you always had something more important going on at home. And that's been the greatest gift for me as a parent, like all the stuff that I thought was so important isn't when you have this fullness elsewhere in your life. But I guess it can become problematic when you start to lean too much into the sing out Louise. If I then like put all my uh, pressure into (laughs) that's from Gypsy. It's all about a stage mom. When you start to put too much focus on making your kids achieve the things that you didn't, then that would be problematic. So, you know, watch me on that. (laughs) Yeah. Like all things, there's a sweet spot. But I do think that perspective and I think both of us were striving career wise in ways that weren't always 
100% successful and not exactly the way we wanted. And being able to see the gift of like, oh, this life is like really deep and interesting, this life with kids. I want to come back and talk about more things that surprised me in these comments. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. And now, you before kids versus you after kids. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. You before kids. Okay, we're meeting at my place at 10.30 p.m. to start getting ready so we can be at the club by midnight. You after kids. Book club starts at 8. If I come, I'm wearing my pajamas. You before kids. This movie is incredible. It's a dark tragedy about a family who starves to death while trying to make their way across the mountains during the Western migration. You after kids. Oh no, I can't watch anything where a child is in danger. Or a dog. Is there another episode of The Great British Bake Off that we can watch? You before kids. I love to drive. There's just something so fun about being on the road with my tunes going, the window down and the wind in my hair. You after kids. Okay, well listen to the Frozen soundtrack if you two stop hitting each other. Oh no, no, don't throw up. Oh God, you threw up. You before kids. 
It's the weekend. I just need to sleep. I need to get some brunch and I need to totally reset. You after kids. It's the weekend. Set your alarm for 5.30 a.m. so that we are not late for soccer. And every second that we are not at a kid's sporting event this weekend, we need to be doing laundry and matching up socks. This has been You Before Kids versus You After Kids from the What Fresh Hell podcast. So a couple more surprising things from our Facebook group about this. Jill says, I'm so much more go with the flow to survive the family chaos. (laughs) Jill, who are you? What? We don't understand your ways. Like, was that a light switch, Jill? We need to have Jill on the show. Like, really? Like, all at once? We need to have Jill as a special guest because who is this person? Like, I became... Whatever the opposite of go with the flow is, that became me. I became the, oh my gosh, everyone's going to die all the time. And I have to touch things to make that stop happening. I mean, I'm trying to move towards that. There's an anxiety sort of approach that when you're anxious, there's something you can tell yourself, like the self-talk. And one of the things you can tell yourself is, can you think of a time when you worried like this before about something that turned out to be okay? And of course, like... The list is, you know, infinity long. Yes, I've worried every day about things that didn't actually. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lesson I will never learn. My husband is always saying to me, wow, you really like to think about everything that could possibly go wrong. And it's like, yes, I do. I like to imagine all the scenarios. That's almost reassuring for you, I think, right? It's like if I've thought of everything that could go wrong, as long as my list is complete, then. Yes, then maybe it won't happen. And of course, that's not accurate, but. I understand it. I identify. But I do think that's gotten tremendously worse since I had kids. I mean, we drive in a car and every time there's a bend in the road, I'm like, what if there's someone on a bike right past that bend? I mean, it's the constant vigilance. It's it's exhausting is the word. It's funny. I think I tend to like bring it down to bite size. Like I worry about like these forms are all due by October 1st and it's, you know, September 28th. I worry about that. I don't worry about like what if my kid gets in trouble at summer camp, you know, something bigger. I do think for me, I was just thinking about this. That for me, I feel like my mom identity, I just had a big milestone birthday and people were talking about, you know, the me that they'd known. And there was a thematic thing about people coming to my incredibly messy dorm room apartment (laughs) that like people would be like sleeping and there would be like dirty dishes under the bed, like three different people mentioned it. And I do think that I do not do that anymore. I do not leave. I mean, my husband would say I leave cups around, but The idea of being a mom with dirty dishes in her house seems to me unacceptable in a way that being a person with dirty dishes under her bed did not bother me at all. Mm, mm -hmm. And so that's why I can't identify with the like more go with the flow. I'm like, I must pretend to be a normal person now that I'm a mom. But it is at least a change about you that was for the better. And I think that's good. That was probably for the better. It's nice to hear that there are some things that change. There are upsides. Like when I was pregnant, my eyesight improved. My like eyeglass prescription Oh, improved while I was pregnant. Isn't that bonkers? I mean, I thought it was bonkers. The eye doctor was like, oh, no, no. Yeah. Like pregnant women, it changes your eye prescription. Not always for the better, but sometimes like I'll take one win that I don't need glasses all of a sudden. I'll take the win. Take the W. I do now, but for a while, I got a couple good years out of it. Cassie also says she's become more laid back patient and now embrace the mess. She's going to be our co-guest on this episode. (laughs) Sticky counters or crumbs on the floor. I guess I can see where if you were like everything has to be spotless and clean all the time that you would have to let that go with little kids. Right. Or only ever clean. I went the exact opposite where I was like, I actually can't have my kids like eating moldy pancakes out from under my bed. So I guess I have to clean up. (laughs) (laughs) Katie says... 
And this is, we were just touching on it kind of before the break. Sometimes I feel like I've lost commitment to things I used to value because I don't have the energy. Hmm. I'm going to offer Katie a big fat, it gets better. I have a very rich life outside of having kids now, but for four or five years, I did nothing but like kids, breastfeeding diapers, chicken nuggets, sleep as much as I possibly could. And I definitely remember feeling like, oh, it's over. Like it's lost all the things I wanted to be and do. And now my life is like 80% work and thinking about my own things and 20% dealing with my children. Mm -hmm. Maybe not quite that severe, but I mean, this gets so much better. And I remember feeling this way and then being like, oh no, that was just, just, this is seasonal to me. Yeah, no, you're right. It shrinks down. It comes into close up and then you can kind of zoom back out. And of course, it might be different things like the volunteer activities that I'm involved in now or things I didn't really know about or have on my radar screen before becoming a parent. It'll help you find new things that are important to you. But you're right. You naturally find sort of new uses of your talent and time when you have those things available to you again. Yeah, look for them, lean into them when you start coming out and when you start, you know, shrinking back the child care. But I do think that this is something that comes back. And I wish I'd known that a little bit more when I was like, I guess my life now is only diapers. It's not. Yeah. April says, I like this one. I became so much more confident and bold. I was super shy, but realized that I made a human. So no reason to let anything hold me back. I've spent most of my motherhood fixing myself and removing barriers. This is interesting that both says that she's more confident and bold after becoming a mother and that she has spent a lot of time fixing herself after becoming a mother. Those sound contradictory to me, but maybe not. But maybe what she was fixing was this thing of like, you know, not taking room. Okay, yeah, it's literally that. I love this and I feel like this is something that I think naturally happens to a lot of women as they get older. You will hear people say, you know, no blanks left to give as you get older and older. And I think that, Mm -hmm. yes, being a mom is part of it. Like, I can really do amazing things. You've done amazing things by creating a human or bringing up a human. And I like to see that April is finding her confidence in that. It's cool to me. That's interesting because honestly, I think that becoming a mother made me more reticent because of that, like feeling you get in a mixed group, particularly like men and women. Like, I mean, that sort of cocktail party thing when they ask what you do and you say, well, I'm raising my kids and they just. And everyone's like sad trombone for you. And you get the, you know, 15 percent of their shoulder already because they're on to something next or they just assume. I mean, I've had people make assumptions about me. Like groups of people being like, well, no, she doesn't have time to do any of that. She has three kids. I'm like, well, actually, I have this. I have a podcast, you know, whatever. People make assumptions about you that you don't have that much going on. They hear mom and they stop listening. And it makes me mad, but it does sort of uh, affect my self-confidence, I think, still. I think a lot of this stuff is starting points and ending points. And I think that's right. I mean, having my mom always says that my mom was in her 30s working in a very high up position in Washington, D.C. in the government and then had three kids and she was like, I disappeared. You know, she just, I think she never really felt that same level of importance. And this was in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And so I think it's interesting. And But I think we should all take a lesson from April and try to find that thing of like, hey, you've done a miraculous thing, whether you had your baby, adopted your baby, like you have taken care of a human being. (laughs) It's really hard and let it give you that confidence. And the people who turn away from you at cocktail parties, too bad, so sad for them. They're missing out. Yeah, they are. We cannot leave any talk about how we've changed. We've talked about it already for ourselves. But yes, many people said 
Anxiety was big for them. Erica says, mm-hmm. can't forget anxiety and insomnia. Jess says, so much anxiety. Steffi says, I had no idea it would be this bad. And Andy says, it's so hard, so much anxiety and stress about being a good mom without losing your mind. And that's it, though. That's what Melanie just said. She says there's so much anxiety about how to be a good mom without losing your mind. It's like you're putting in like three steps. Like you're feeling the anxiety about feeling the anxiety. And that gets in the way. Like, why am I like this? Okay, well, stop worrying about that and start being less anxious instead of feeling bad that you feel anxious. Agree. And I also think it goes towards your frequently made point that the pain is in the gap. Yeah. That that the pain, I was very ambivalent about becoming a mom. Honestly, I saw two paths stretched out before me, one where I did not have kids and one where I did have kids. And I thought they both looked pretty good. And I felt a little bit pulled towards the motherhood track because I kind of felt like, well, that's kind of the full human experience track. And I guess I have to go down that track. Mm. But I was not somebody who was like, kids are going to be the be all and end all of my life. I did not identify as a mother strongly before having kids. And I think for me, that initial burst of misery when becoming a parent, part of the thing that made it super difficult was feeling like I was an alien human being who was missing out on the like my baby slid down the rainbow straight from Jesus's arms. And I was supposed to be like, (laughs) you know, frolicking all day with like my muslin gown and my angelic smile. And I felt like a freak. You know, I felt like, oh, my gosh, maybe this wasn't the right thing for me to do because I don't feel that way. I feel anxious and miserable and really bummed out. And I think that what I have to offer younger moms who are in that space now is, for me, it got so much better. I was not a person for babies. I don't, yeah, I still am not a person who sees a baby and like, oh, let me get my hands on that baby. I think they're cute and all, but I love hanging out with my grown-ish kids right now, but I did not love being surrounded by little people with very high needs. And my anxiety was awful, and it's gotten a lot better. I am totally the opposite. No surprise. They're right that I, because we're the opposite always, that I like wanted to be a mom like ever since, non-negotiable, you know, babysitting since second grade. Like I was ready for this and I was, and it wasn't the like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to parent this baby thing? I found hard, but I still found things hard, right? I brought into it all the love and expectation and I knew what I was getting into and it was exactly what I thought I was getting into, only of course harder. And I still had anxiety about it, even though I had no ambivalence about it at all. So I think it happens no matter what. Yeah. And anxiety, I mean, you do, I saw somebody write a long time ago, it's a piece of your heart walking around outside your body now. And like, that will always be an anxiety producing experience because what we like is control. And we have a lot of control over ourselves and we have a lot less control over a being that is outside of ourselves. And so- Mm -hmm. Anxiety is a very, very natural part of that, but I think it's worth trying to fix when you can and trying to quantify it and trying to make it better and knowing that, like, for me at least, it got a lot better. I would say I used to spend 90% of my time worrying about something bad happening to my kids. And now I think I probably (laughs) spent 10% of my time worrying about that. And it's still, I'd love to get to 1%, which is where my husband seems to live. But I would like to get it lower, but it has gotten significantly better. You know, if this conversation 
was useful for you, you should definitely check out Toba Purgatory. Their latest episode is called All the Feels, and they're talking about mom guilt and rage and shame, less the postpartum anxiety stuff we've been talking about today, but just the sort of the things that you feel and then you feel bad about feeling them. And they talk about some really good sort of approaches for sort of moving past it, for sort of acknowledging it, sitting with it and moving on. And so go check that out for sure. Find that wherever you listen to podcasts, Toddler Purgatory, and then do us a favor, a rating or a review for our show, What Fresh Hell or Toddler Purgatory always helps people find the shows. And so if you would take a little time out of your day and give us a rating or review in your podcast app, that would be wonderful for us. Tap, swipe, star it wherever you're listening right now. Tap, swipe, <laughs> star. Yes. Inside that app. And yeah. We thank you. This was such a good conversation. And we thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. So long. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.